Welcome to Deed and Truth, a podcast exploring loving God and loving your neighbor, not just in words, but also in actions, and with the Bible as the source and standard of truth. I'm your host, Tommy Morris, and today in the studio, we have Brian Christman from Heart of the Bride. Heart of the Bride. Heart yeah. of the Bride. Brian, it's not welcome. About weddings. <laughs> not okay, about it's weddings. Not about weddings. I get that question a lot. No, it's not about weddings. That's good. That's good to, get, to clarify that. So we are going to find out what it is about us. But Brian, before we get into that, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Brian Christman. I am uh, from the Deep South. So, uh, you know, living in Florida now feels a lot more like Yankee land. I'm from <laughs> Alabama. But, uh, you know, God brought us here and uh, now we've, we've grown to love it. Uh, you know, I... I um, I'm married uh, to uh, almost almost uh, 28 years now. Nice. And uh, yeah, God has blessed me with that. And six children, five biological. The last one we were blessed to adopt from China. And so I'll share a little bit more about that later. Um, you know, man, I, uh, I've got a testimony like a lot of guys. I grew up in a Christian family from the beginning. Some of my earliest memories are being in the, the nursery, you know, <laughs> Be, being at vacation Bible school. I yeah. mean, those really are some of my earliest memories. Uh, my grandparents helped found the church that we were members of. Uh, my grandmother uh, played the organ and my dad helped lead the worship. I mean, I, I remember that from an early age. So I got baptized at age seven, saw all my friends get baptized. You know, I answered the few questions they asked me. I had grown up in church, so they were easy answers, and I got baptized. But it was at age 11 that I remember very clearly at a Baptist RA camp, Royal Ambassadors camp, and we were Baptist to the core by then. And uh, I remember very clearly God asking me to serve him. And I responded, and so the the decision that was official I came forward with was to full-time Christian service, right? That's kind of the thing we had for it. But later in my life, I realized, man, that was the first time I really heard God's voice and answered the call to surrender to Him. And so, um, so really, I look back at age 11 and go, that's when I came to know the Lord. That's when I surrendered. Yeah. You know, I knew it. And so at age 20, I got baptized again, right? Having really realized that and knowing that I wasn't baptized after I really fully surrendered to Christ. But the calling was real, and it was to serve God. I, I always knew that through high school and college. And, uh, and so uh, at first, it was worship leading. or I was a worship pastor for almost 20 years. I was a trumpet player, and then I directed church orchestras. And then eventually, God called me to cross over to sing and lead worship. And, uh, you know, that'll get into the testimony of how I got to Heart of Bride here in a minute. <laughs> right. But before, until t- 2015, you know, I was worship pastor, Brian, and uh, met my wife at the University of uh, Mobile, and she was in music as well. And so we led worship together. God bless me with an incredible helpmate that in partnering in family and raising children and all that, we've been in partnered in ministry uh, the whole time as well, leading worship together and enjoying that. Anyway, that's that's me. That's who I am now. Uh, nice. I've got two. Listen, two, my two oldest kids are married, right? So you guys, I don't know what vision of me you have in your head listening to my voice on this microphone, but I'm old enough to have two married kids and two grandkids. Okay, so wow, there's a lot more gray up here than there used to be. You know? Yeah, I don't know that people look at you and see grandpa, right? Yeah. <laughs> I hope yeah, not. No. My favorite response is, "Well, you don't look old enough to be a grandpa." So that's pride speaking, but still, I'm just I'm being honest. That's what I like. Yeah. Hey, that's a good compliment. So now you clearly have a different role in ministry. So now you are the executive director. Is that your, that's your correct that title? Is my title of yes. Heart of the Bride, which again is not a wedding agency. <laughs> no. So, so tell us about the the current role, just briefly, because sure. we'll, we'll get into more details about Heart of the Bride later. But just right now, 
what is Heart of the Bride if it's not not our <laughs> wedding agency? What is it? The, the simplest way or thing to say is we are uh, an orphan care ministry uh, operating in five countries around the world and now locally through a, a tool called Care Portal. Uh, we, we exist to, um, to help orphans around the world. In that, we've also kind of embraced the other side of, of that call in James one twenty seven, and we do widow work as God leads us to that. But it is primarily orphans or uh, children and at-risk children around the world. Uh, whether they're, they're a single orphan, that's the, that's the term, you know, I've got one parent, or double orphans, no parents. Typically, in the areas where we work, whether they have parents or not, they live life on their own. No one's watching out for them. And so uh, the, the children we work with around the world in Haiti, Kenya, Zambia, India, and then uh, a country in Eastern Europe we can't mention right now, uh, they're, they're all fending for themselves. They are amongst the, the, the most defenseless you know, people on earth. And, uh, and now locally, we're working with families uh, in this area that are in crisis uh, through the foster care system, through DCF now we're working with uh, to help prevent foster children, right, get involved on that side. But those are the people we work with. Uh, we want to not only work with orphans around the world, we want to prevent them whenever we can uh, because the healthiest place is for a kid to be in a biological family that's healthy, yeah. you know, as God designed it. That's, that's the system God designed. And it's the healthiest place to be if we can achieve health in that family. So that's, that's what we want to see. So with this international uh, scope to the ministry, talk some about your heart for missions. There, You have a, a personal story as far as you having a desire to be a missionary, to be on the mission field. So speak to that some, and then we'll get into kind of how that role changed into where you are now. Yeah, well, that all kind of wraps together anyway. So uh, Heart of the Bride was started by my brother-in-law, my wife's brother in 1998. By 2004, um, they had really narrowed their focus. Er early on, Heart of the Bride it, it partnered with Christians around the world, right? Our family of believers around the world doing different works. By 2004, the board felt like God was saying there was something specific, so they fasted for 40 days separately, all came together, and God said the same thing to all of them, orphan care. So 2004 is when Heart of the Bride became a public orphan care ministry. Already had a board and was official, but but now was going to be orphan care. By 2008, it had grown so much that my brother-in-law, who was also a worship pastor at the time, had stepped out into full-time uh, ministry at Heart of the Bride as the executive director. And we, you know, we were catching the story. We lived in different parts of the country, but we were catching the story and following them and by 2008, we were invited to, uh, to go on a trip because we were asking. So I went to, went to Kenya with my church. I was in Northeast Alabama at the time. And so, you know, I, I say this. I, I always knew what the Bible said about orphan care, God's heart for the poor, the afflicted, the widow, the orphan. But it always seemed like such a huge problem I could never touch, right? When you hear the statistics, 150 million orphans, and now they think it's 200 million or more, depending on how you count them. I couldn't do anything about that. But going with Heart of the Bride in 2008, I, I stood there in Kenya and I held a little boy in my hands. He was an infant, well, almost six months old. His name was Julius. Julius has one of the, the most tragic stories of any of our kids. His, his mother apparently you know, gave birth and with no other option, she thought, I just need to do away with him. So when he was found, he was in a plastic bag. His neck was bloody and still had a cord tied around it. So she had tried to strangle him and put him in a paper sack and threw him in the bush wow. right, of Kenya. Well, you know, I stood there holding this kid and he still had those scars. And I just thought, well, 
I can't do something for every one of these orphans in the world, but I can do something for this one. Like I can physically right now. And, and when I go back to the States, I can do something for them. And so now kind of like my, my salvation experience, I look back and go, you know, I know it age 11. Now I know that's when God first spoke to me. I look back at 2008 and go, that's when God really started to turn my heart towards a a whole new ministry. I still led worship for another seven years, but it was there that we began to uh, catch the vision. I came back, I shared it with Sonia, you know, and and by 2011, she was able to go to Kenya and she met the same kid and other kids Heart of the Bride was working with. It had grown by then in two different areas of Kenya. And so then we returned together in 2012. Uh, we really fell in love with Julius, and uh, we we felt led to adopt him, and we began to explore that. That only lasted about six months because then Kenya closed international adoptions. Oh man! And so that, but now that what's cool about that is it it led to our later our adoption of our son Daniel, right? Because that that heart had already begun to grow in us. It was put on pause for a little while when we were upset and shocked, but by 2017, God renewed it, and we adopted Daniel. But from that love of of Julius and those other kids there, God began to show us that another heart he'd begun to grow in us, which was discipleship, all right? Even as worship pastors, uh, or a worship pastor and and, and his wife leading, God had shown us that it wasn't up to us to inspire people to worship. It was to try to lead people into a deeper relationship with Christ. And that then from that relationship with Christ and with God, knowing God, really knowing him, they would worship. Well, that heart for discipleship began to knit together with our ministries in Kenya. We, as a, as a worship pastor at a church, we partnered with Heart of the Bride and uh, through Heart of the Bride to Kithyanyo, Kenya, where a lady had started a ministry out in the bush, uh, kind of a discipleship youth ministry, right? Not, not typically your typical orphan ministry, <laughs> yeah. right? But she was reaching all these kids out of the bush. 250 kids would show up when you can wow. only see three huts around you, right? We began to, to help disciple those kids. We, we didn't want to go and do a one-week camp and leave. We wanted to leave a, a lasting ministry, so uh, my wife and I began to lead discipleship training for the leaders there. And so by 2014, we were asking my brother-in-law, Tony, you know, hey, is there an opportunity for us to serve in Kenya? And he said, well, what I really need is someone to lead the discipleship efforts at Heart of the Bride. You know, I don't need you to go to Kenya. I really believe we need you to you know, move to the Gulf Coast. <laughs> <laughs> right? Which, to be honest with you, was kind of our Nineveh. <laughs> we were always kind of in favor of the mountains, uh, but but God was saying, you know, in Kenya, listen, parts of Kenya look like the Garden of Eden, right? So we, you know, but God said, no, I need you to move here. So in 2015, we stepped out of worship ministry. We we were, became fully self-sustaining missionaries, took a year to raise funds, and God opened that door in 2015, moved down here, and uh, took on the role of uh, director of discipleship. By 2017, because of our knowledge and experience in Kenya, I was also running our Kenya operations. In 2019, God led me on a little, uh, a little. I don't know if you want to call it a detour, uh, but he, he asked me to step out and help my church for a, a year. And so I stepped out and, and helped our church as executive pastor. Uh, so I got my first experience in the executive realm. And then at the end of 2019, as, as Tony had felt led to uh, transition out, the board called. And by 2020, we were back at, back at Heart of the Bride, but in a whole new position uh, to help lead as executive director. 
And then, uh, and then COVID hit and nothing was normal. So <laughs> that's a whole different yeah. story we don't need yeah. to talk about. Crazy time to take over. <laughs> Crazy time to take over. But, uh, but, 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 but God's been faithful and, and uh, faithful to help grow me in this. I, I'm new. I'm still new at being an executive director. Two years in, uh, there's still so many things I don't know. But, but God has, has just continually throughout the years turned our heart, formed our hearts, and knit our, heart, our hearts to a, a new ministry and, you know, it, some people have asked me, how could you just not be a worship pastor anymore? Well, there were moments that were difficult. Don't get me wrong. You know, the next year of sit, standing in the congregation worshiping, you know, felt so odd. But, I'm sure. <laughs> but as far as my identity and the things I thought I'd struggle with, man, God just changed that. And my identity was now missionary to orphans around the world and being able to live out my love of discipleship. Uh, and that's going to really, uh, however this discussion goes in a minute, <laughs> knits together with the, the real core ministries of Heart of the Bride, which, which really result, revolve around discipleship. Yeah, I, I have to say that one of, the, one of the interesting facts of that for me is that everyone else's paradise was your Nineveh. <laughs> Everybody's trying to move here. We're so and weird. you're saying, God, send me to Kenya, please. <laughs> Listen, we really did. We struggled. I love it. When we got off the phone with Tony after he told us that, my wife and I, and we love him. We love the ministry. Yeah. But we're like, but we, we wanted to go to Kenya. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So, yeah, let's let's get into more of, of what Heart of the Bride does and and the role that it plays in mission work you've been on numerous mission trips since then right oh yeah um, yeah so speak to some of of your trips that you've been on since then and specifically maybe some of the ministries that are out there uh, in the different countries and just kind of what they see from from a day-to-day basis and how they're helping yeah yeah well i'll tell you every country we operate in we do something a little different and so it's hard to explain it all the easiest way would be is to go to our website and just start to journey heartofthebride.org and and see what we do there but it ranges from schools to uh zambia where where you're looking at going this summer right which is a full-on street kids ministry learning center residence facility it's it's probably, I would say, our most, well, it is, our most wide-ranging ministry. But everything we do is based around a heart for discipleship first. When, when Heart of the Bride was first uh, founded, it was out of a conviction from 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, which, you know, if you're familiar, if you're a pastor, you know, that's your, those are your big giving passages, <laughs> yeah. right? That's where you go to teach biblical giving. But it was because the ri- original burden for Heart of the Bride was, hey, you know, we live in a place of abundance. Let's help lead the church to grow, to partner with, not give to the poor people, but to find believers around the world who I've learned and had great discussions with your pastor, Pat Howell, right? Our family around the world, our faith family, they we're family. Find family members working around the world in poor areas, in areas of need. Let's, as the body of believers in, in this area of abundance, help those in areas of need do the work of ministry. And so if you get into 2 Corinthians 8, it's more the concept of sharing the burden. Let's share the burden with them because we can and, and we should, right? So it's, it's an area of discipleship. It really is. And so from then, of course, by 2004, it, it also began to, to group around uh, or be formulated around James 127 and like scriptures, which now, you know, now that I've spent time in, in my life praying through this ministry and reading the scripture with that in view, I've made a list and it's it's not exhaustive yet. Every time I read through the Bible, I add to it 
How many times God mentions his heart for the afflicted, the poor, the widow, the orphan? It's all through there. James 1.27 brings it together. But to disciple the church in this, listen, you know, a faith that is real is a faith that is seen. And I, I don't want to say the only place it should be seen is orphan work. It's not. But it's one where the, our faith should be seen. It should be seen in caring for those who have no one to care for them. Widows and orphans being a prime example. And that's what 120, James 1.27 points out. So everywhere around the world, it's built around this model of discipleship because we then see that one of the overarching scriptures that that guides us is the Great Commission, right? Matthew 28, 19 says, go and make disciples. Make disciples being of the four verbs in that verse, the the, uh, primary verb that everything else is built around. So we want to make disciples. So this is how we approach orphan care. So whether it's a street kids ministry in Zambia, schools in India, Haiti and Kenya, um, and then uh, a full-on just kind of orphanage home in the country I can't talk about. Our goal is to see every one of those kids grow into a mature believer in Christ, uh, equipped for life, with, with life skills, character development, uh, biblical character development, so that one day, just like you and I desire for our kids, right, we would release them into this world, into their area, as fully equipped believers living and speaking the gospel so that they transform that country, right? So we don't boast a lot of huge numbers, right? We don't see 3,000 you know, conversions a year. Uh, we did see seven last year in Zambia, five boys on the street. Wait a minute, I got to count this up. Five boys on the street, three boys in the house, that's eight, and two of our girls gave their hearts to Christ, right? So we see that, but what we're looking at is what's going to happen after that. Um, we've been around long enough now to see a lot of that fruit. Uh, you know, I, I think about Haiti. We've got kids who've grown up and been discipled through our program. Now they're they're returning to the area, l- working the jobs they've trained for and being deacons at their church. Uh, one that they nicknamed the evangelist. I mean, he's out there sharing the gospel. We've got two students who've returned to our work in Haiti as teachers. Now that they've got their degrees in education, they're discipling kids now at the school and teaching them. Uh, the same thing in Zambia. You, you'll meet uh, Godfrey this summer. Godfrey was a, a street kid and a drug dealer. Met the Walkers, our missionaries there. You know, uh, came to know the Lord. Finally surrendered and, and, and joined the residence program. Went on to, uh, to school. Now he's back in the program because he wants to reach those street boys. Right? That's the fruit we're looking at because not just winning one soul, but all the souls he's going to win after that. And so ours is a long-term vision, and so we spend a lot of time on discipleship, and that's a lot of my conversations around the world. Hey, where are you? What's going on? When's the next part of the program? (laughs) How are we progressing them to maturity in Christ? You know, I know that's the work of the Holy Spirit, but we want to do it strategically and give that opportunity. So that's really, uh, in a large summary, the work of Heart (laughs) of the Bride. But Um, that's huge because... I mean, I've seen missions in the past, and I mean, I've seen different organizations, and they can a lot of times go one of two ways, apart from discipleship. This is why I believe that what you all are doing and the the focus on discipleship is huge, because in other areas, it can be the number of, quote-unquote, conversions, which a lot of times there can be a lot of emotional buildup and hype to kind of create this atmosphere that generates those responses, so that we can come home and brag that we had 3,000, right. you know, or this many. And the question is, and I mean, we've seen this in America, right, with things, revivals or whatever in America, where it's this boast of X number of thousands that make professions. And then the question is, six months later, where are those people? They're not in church. 
what happened to them? You know, nobody's church numbers grew, so where did they go? And that's where the discipleship factor is. Some may have been false conversions. Some may have been true. And then we, because of the lack of follow-up for discipleship, they just fall off the map. They don't know right. what to do. So there is that question of we're not just going over there to get people to, to make professions. What do we do next? Right. You know, and then the other thing I think is, well, I guess I'm going to say two more things. One is, <laughs> I was going to say two, but I'm going to say three total. The other is that I've, I've been hearing more and more stories of the pushing of the prosperity gospel oh, yeah. uh, uh, over in other countries in now. Continent, yeah, and it's crazy oh. because you think, how in the world can the prosperity gospel go and thrive in areas that are struggling, right, that don't have a lot? Because if you give what you have, right. your last pennies, God yeah. will give you more. And I have personally seen that message preached to orphans. Okay. Wow. In an orphanage. Wow. Give what you got. And they, they're trying to scrape together the lint in their pocket to give. And you're going, no. Yeah. No. So it, it's, it's false hope. It's, it's huge, man. It's and huge. that's, you know, I mean, that's, uh, yeah. You're going to talk about something, stir up some righteous <laughs> that's indignation. A whole, right? That's a whole, so that's a whole podcast, other podcast. Yeah, so that's a whole other podcast <laughs> on, on the prosperity gospel. But I think the other thing is the idea of good works, right? There is that element where even people who aren't professing Christians would say, yeah, we should go feed the poor and and do things like that. And so there can be that focus of going and doing the deeds that like help meet the needs of the people or things like that. And that, that is good. That's a good thing. However, if you feed them and you help them find jobs and you do other things, but you do not show them Christ, you do not preach the gospel and then follow through with discipleship, then what you create is a society or a, a community who is better off earthly, right? Right. But in eternity, there's still no hope, right? There's 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 hope for the the here and now with housing or food or whatever. But eternity, they will still die without Christ. Yeah. You know. And what you build then are communities that are better because they're self-sustaining and self-reliant, rather yeah. than faith communities, right, working for God's glory on earth by being good citizens, right, as a part of that. Yeah. And I'll say this, man, we we never turn our back on opportunities to share the gospel, no yeah. matter what it is, right? You know, I've, I've been a part of crusades in Kenya. Uh, we, we will do a medical clinic when doctors visit our facilities. If we can also do a, a kind of an evangelistic medical clinic and help the community and share the gospel. But in each of those situations, we have someone to go, hey, if, if God's calling to you today, Come see this pastor. Step up to this. Here's a church you can go to. Here's here's a place for you to grow and and try to create connection rather than just raise your hand, count, and hey, we moved on. Right, right. right. Three thousand. Yeah. Um, we want to connect them to places where they grow. You know, to make disciples. Yeah, and I like that twofold. I mean, because it really is you still meeting the needs that yeah. are there, medical or food or or help with you know establishing employment or job skills, things like that, while also sharing the gospel and providing that discipleship. And oh, and yeah. so it's not one or the other, you know. That's right. And listen, I'll say this too. I've learned, I guess as I've grown and God's matured me some, not to roll my eyes at anyone doing a good work. Yeah. Right. When when people share and, and you know, your celebrities and kind of have their big organizations, they're doing good work. And I used to look at that and go, uh, well, no, praise God. Someone is meeting needs of people in, in hard situations. Yeah. Right. But that's not what I can be a part of. 
because I know it's not the full calling on my life, mm-hmm. right? That the gospel has to be a part of it, or I wouldn't be a part of Heart of the Bride, right? <laughs> right, um, right. Even when we're faced in areas right now, and, and I'll say this as a matter of prayer, India is facing some pretty tough persecution right now, possible anti-conversion laws that will stop and make it illegal to share the gospel in the situations where we operate. Well, if that becomes the case and there's no way to share the gospel then, you know, that partnership has to be reevaluated because that's not our vision just to provide education, right? That's good. Um, we haven't faced that challenge yet, but it may be coming to us. What, how are we going to react to that? Because it'll be completely different. Now, that now a lot of that's going to depend on our partners going, hey, well, here's the way we can still do it. Or, <laughs> right. you know, it, there's a lot to that. I don't want to minimize it or explain it too much. But that is, it's, it's, it's always a heart around the gospel and discipleship in growing people in their faith in the Lord, helping them know him more. You know what? I think everything is wrapped up in worship because I was a worship leader. That (laughs) makes sense, right? But but listen, part of evangelism, disciple-making increases God's glory on earth. We are helping mature believers who then turn around and glorify God if they become mature believers, who then lead others to the Lord who become mature believers and glorify God. We're increasing his, uh, you know, practical worship on earth. But also, you know, God is, is, I mean, he's growing others into his image, into the image of Christ. I mean, his glory just spreads through evangelism and discipleship and that's that so it's just great how god has has tied all of our heart together in this worship and discipleship and orphan care it's just only in a way god can do it so, <laughs> right right i would right. never have imagined this nobody would have sat down and written written out that kind of like plan right on no paper. as an 11 year old <laughs> i just thought i was going to be you know a, a music guy that's right. what i thought you know nice nice well so what are ways that people can get involved with Heart of the Bride from a, a practical standpoint, be it here or abroad? Yeah. Well, I, I would say, number one, you know, I'm not trying to pitch it, but it is. Go to the website, heartofthebride.org, and uh, just click that, hey, what do we do tab, and, and see what we do. Uh, that, that would be the first step. And then from that, you can say, hey, I want to get involved. And there's a number of ways to get involved. Uh, we do child sponsorship. We do site sponsorship. If you just say, hey, I want to support a school somewhere, you can do that and be involved. We'll send you information, keep you updated on what's happening. Uh, you can go. Obviously, you know that because you're looking at going. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you know, we, we're uh, finally this year, trips are happening again post-COVID. We're not post-COVID yet, I don't guess. but <laughs> <laughs> Amid COVID, not whatever. Yet. The world is starting lesser to COVID. Nor- Lesser yeah, COVID. The world is starting to normalize a little yeah. bit. We can travel. And, uh, and, and so, you know, we're figuring out the testing systems. And so, uh, so we can travel. You can go and, and really see what's going on around the world and then really then get more involved personally. The mud run is coming up. This is, so if you live on the Gulf Coast or somewhere in the South, our largest fundraiser of the year is the Emerald Coast Mud Run for Orphans, May 21st in Niceville, Florida. You can volunteer. You can run. Uh, you can go to emeraldcoastmudrun.com. So if you're not locally, it's the Emerald Coast. That's where we live. It's paradise, as, <laughs> or, as you said earlier. Or Nineveh, depending on your perspective. <laughs> or Nineveh. One or the other. Could be both. 
but you can go to emeraldcoastmudrun.com and, and get involved that way. You can run and volunteer. If you volunteer and then run, you get a big discount. So uh, that is our, our largest fundraiser. You know, we, we always need people praying for us. We need advocates. There's so many ways to get involved. If you live on the Gulf Coast now, we are um, now involved in the foster care system and in DCF and, and families in crisis in what's uh, Judicial Circuit 1, Escambia County through Walton. Uh, your church can get involved in that. Let me tell you how it works through Care Portal. Agency officials, so whether it's a social worker, caseworker, case manager, licensor, uh, whatever, can can visit with a family that they're working with, see a need, log it in the system, and then the closest church. Here's the key: is we want the closest church possible to see that need and respond. And the reason that's 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 uh, important is because we want to meet that physical need, right? But but the greater vision is to establish connection. Let's build a, a, a you know a community around this family, whether it be a family in crisis or a foster family, uh, to help them survive, help those kids thrive, or a family being reunified. Right? We want to be around that, but we want the closest church possible to connect, so that real relationship has a possibility to grow. So we need you all. We need them in all parts of all these counties for churches to engage, so that the closest one possible can uh, can respond. And and honestly, Tommy, in that instance, we don't even. We don't even really want Heart of the Bride or Care Portal to be known. We want that family to see this church responding to their need because that's the ultimate goal is to con- is to form that connection. Yeah. So if you're in the local uh, community, go to heartofthebride.org and click what we what do we do and click Care Portal and uh, there'll be information on how your church can get involved and um, or you you can form a team there, you know, it's your church. Doesn't have to be just the church official, but that's the main goal. So lots of ways to get involved locally and around the world. Yeah, I love that because, you know, a lot of times when think about missions and people always think of that other country and sometimes it can be easy to forget the mission field in your own backyard. And so this is a way where part of the bride has taken that mission and vision statement and uh, purpose and implemented it right here in our own backyard. So yeah, the challenge came from, you know, getting on the plane at, you know, the, the Destin Fort Walton beach airport flying out and God saying, Hey, but what about the kids you're flying over? You know, you're, you're working with kids around the world, but what about the ones, I mean, you can literally look down and see Fort Walton beach and Niceville. What about the kids you're flying over? And that's where it started. And then, What's really cool about that is we'd already asked that question, and then when we got connected with Care Portal, which was started by another global organization, their founder shared the exact same testimony as he was flying out of the country, and God <laughs> said, hey, what about the kids you're flying over? And so I, I think it's great to see that that those burdens being brought together. Why does missions have to be international or local, yeah. right? Yeah. Look, we're in mission wherever we go. <laughs> yes. And so I think it's beautiful that God has brought that together in us, and uh, I love both. I don't prefer either one. I love working and rescuing and helping kids and families all over the world. That's and good. so now we're able to do it here and there. That's great. All right. Any uh, final thoughts or uh, things that we didn't cover that you'd like to share? Man, I don't know. I think that's about it. My goodness. We said a lot of words, I think, Tommy, in a short <laughs> amount of time. You know, that's the other thing, man. I'm known for how fast I talk. I'm trying to slow it down now. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I listen to my podcast at one and a half speed. And so uh, I, that's how I process stuff. So <laughs> I don't so, recommend you speed this one up, though. No, so this one is already by default at one and a half speed. Thanks so. to Brian's rapid rate. So, so we're good. <laughs> listen, you don't rate my typing in words per minute, but my speaking, yeah, it's, I'll boast of that, man. Nice. All right, so once again, heartofthebride.org.org. That's it. 
to check out everything they do. And for the Emerald Coast Mud Run, emeraldcoastmudrun.com. Go ahead and get signed up. I think there's a few days left for oh, the early bird yes. registration, right? Yes. February 1st. If you want the discount, yeah. go now. Go there, now. Yeah. That's right. So lots of different options for kids, night run, oh yeah, uh, competitive. It, so. yeah, it, all of that. The early races are very competitive, and now we are a registered, recognized qualifier for the Obstacle Course Racing World Championship. Oh, nice. So, yeah, so if you run the competitive 10K, which is the first race, then you can qualify and go, you know, if you're serious... And, uh, but then, it, you know, through the day, it ends up, we do fun runs for adults. We have a kid's fun run. There's a night run, which is a blast with glow sticks and lights and flashlights. Oh yeah. So it's, it's, Excellent. it's serious and it's fun all at the same time. All right. We will post all of those links into the show notes as well as on our social media sites. We will share those. So if you have any questions, definitely reach out to Heart of the Bride and, uh, we look forward to continuing to partner with them continuing to uh, have people support and hey if you're looking to uh, get overseas reach out some opportunities coming up all right brian thanks for joining us today we appreciate it man thanks for having me this is a blast man yeah it's fun all right man Till next time thank you for listening be sure to tune in every monday as i have a special guest in the studio to talk with me about what it is to love god and love our neighbors in both deed and in truth and check us out every friday for a new episode of freestyle friday be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss an episode leave us a review and go ahead and share the podcast with your friends you can also check us out online at deed and truth podcast.com and you can connect with us on social media we're on twitter at deed underscore truth and you can find us on facebook instagram and youtube youtube by searching the deed and truth podcast all right until next time